Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Special One Cards, uh, the transparency uh, podcaster that you guys have always looked for. Um, so today uh, I wanted to do, and thank you again for listening. Thank you for the support I've been given. Uh, many of you do message me and let me know that the information is useful, which is great. So today I'm kind of taking a step back a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things, obviously. I kind of put up a preview uh, on IG story of the episode, but I wanted to go over some things that maybe are a little different than we're used to in the last few episodes that we've done. I want to talk about how I got into the hobby. I think that's important for a lot of you to understand. And I think for some of you, it might be a good way to reflect on why am I in the hobby? What got me into the hobby? And what is my ultimate uh, destination or end result or uh, the end, right? Uh, so I, can, I think many of us kind of ask ourselves those questions sometimes and we forget to identify why we're here, why we're doing what we do, why we collect what we do, why why we buy what we do. And everyone's got different intentions. So I'm going to talk about that. My hobby ran episode. Um, kind of wanted to talk a little bit about my experience with Golden. Uh, I sent in a card for auction. And I want to talk a little bit about that in hopes that uh, it can help some people in terms of what to expect, what happens, how the process goes, etc. One of the things for me that's been a little frustrating for me is the communication aspect and how that's done. So I'll talk a little bit about that. I'm going to talk about a few uh, prospects and then finally uh, we'll talk about some listener questions, feedback that I've gotten to as well. So let's talk a little bit about how I got into the hobby now. That why this is important to me is I many days, almost every day, I kind of ask myself, why am I doing this? Why am I participating in this? Is it to waste time? Is it to have something that's outside the norm of everyday life? Is it an investment purpose? And it could be a combination of things. I know many of you may be investors or you're collecting because you love the sport, for example, like I do, or you may have come from a background where you were in the baseball card collecting or football or whatever it may be. Many cases, uh, what I see are uh, people that love the sport. I also see a lot of people that are collecting for investment purposes, to flip, to make money, to do whatever they want to do, right? So I want to talk a little bit about how I got into the hobby. I kind of started myself, uh, as many of you know, I spent a lot of my summers in Portugal uh, with my family. Uh, many times my parents would leave us there with aunts, uncles, grandparents for the summer. But one of the things that my dad would do, he went over a little more frequently than I did. I was a summer kind of kid. Uh, my sister and I would would go to Portugal in the summers. Uh, but my father uh, went over maybe twice a year. Uh, and he had, unfortunately for him, he spent a lot of time in the 80s having to travel back and forth due to family uh, deaths and things of that nature. So he had brothers, a sister, uh, his parents, uh, my grandfather passed away and, and things of that nature. So one of the things my dad used to do for me, he'd always bring back stickers, uh, soccer stickers uh, and books, the albums. I specifically remember he gave me a full album of the 1982 World Cup. And that was back, I think he gave it to me in 86, along with an 86 World Cup album that for me to build that one i never completed the 86 one the 82 one was complete 
Unfortunately, I have no idea where I put that thing. I have no idea where it is. I have some, or it may have gotten thrown out. Who knows during moves and whatnot. So for me, it was really about, you know, my dad kind of influencing my behavior in terms of the football game and why I love football so much. Spending time with my dad watching Benfica through all those years, uh, spending time watching the Portuguese national team. And at the time, obviously, we would watch the U.S. as well, but the U.S. wasn't what it was today, what it is today in soccer. Uh, So that, for me, was kind of my reflection back on, you know, how and why I've collected. During that time as well, I got into baseball cards, obviously. So I remember specifically, like, 87 tops, 86 tops to a lesser degree. I remember uh, buying those packs, doing work around the neighborhood, trying to gather money to buy packs. I was really young. But... I really enjoyed ripping packs at that point in time. And for me, that was kind of a collection aspect. For example, like I remember the chase in 86 top was like the Glenn Davis rookie, the Houston Astros first baseman, if I can remember correctly, Glenn Davis. Really crazy to think about that today because that's a guy that is kind of irrelevant, right? Uh, But we collect uh, in terms of how we follow what everyone else is buying or what everyone else is doing. And that's where I've kind of matured. And I think the foundation for that comes from experience so as you progress through the hobby you have to understand that you will mature and become kind of a different set of person or different type of collector or different type of investor etc i've now gotten to the point where i'm getting kind of pop one stuff i'm really exploring more prospects i'm exploring i'm a rookie card guy unless it's some 90s kind of parallel chrome type of product uh for baseball for example i love collecting some griffey stuff and some of the other players that I liked in the 90s for baseball, like, you know, Frank Thomas, Ryan Sandberg. Um, who else can I think of here? Pedro Martinez with the Red Sox, right? So for me, it's kind of evolved a little bit more. Um, have I kind of moved into the upper echelon? Because I think about where we are in terms of what we collect and what we like. You have the guys that are big, big buyers, right? Stuff that some of us can't afford to buy or stuff that we... You know, we choose not to. Um, my thought on that is that I think everyone can buy a big card. You just basically have to allocate your collection correctly and try to figure out how to get to that big card by selling some other stuff to get there, right? And then following kind of very disciplined format and finding a very and finding that disciplined road where you stay on that road to achieve that goal of getting that big card. For me, I really hang out in, um, and some of you probably can identify with this. I hang out in the, you know, the 50 to $500 slab area, really. I don't have a lot of stuff that's over that at this point. I have some stuff that I value at higher uh, than those numbers, but that's me. The market does not dictate that value. That's what I value something at. So that's another important thing to think about. When you're valuing certain things, comps aren't always aren't always basically relevant, right? If you believe in a certain card, and I've talked about this before in the episode, you'll pay over comps for it. I've done it. I think many of you might have done it. Some of you probably don't do it. I would venture to say that a lot of the investors probably don't do that. But the collectors and people that are collecting for kind of the long-term play or the long-term collection aspect of it, they look at things differently. Uh, And when you believe in a card, you'll pay the extra price or above the comp price, right? I know I've done it a few times. It's worked out for me. Perfect. Great. If it doesn't work out, at the end of the day, you have fun doing it. And that's kind of number one. When I look back each day or I think about 
whenever this pops into my head, which is quite frequently in terms of why am I doing this or what what is my end goal or or what, you, you know, you're trying to find kind of a resolution or kind of an end result. And the answer is there really isn't one. Um, I personally enjoy it. I enjoy the community. I, I mean, I enjoy having you guys listen to me on here. I, I enjoy you guys giving me feedback on my on my Instagram posts. I love that. And I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for that. But I think sometimes we forget what's important, right? And I think sometimes we forget that we're all doing this for a little bit of fun in terms of how we're collecting and what we're doing because we have a, a kind of a retro vibe or a uh, nostalgia effect. I know I do. The nostalgia effect is heavy for me in terms of when I go back and look at what I did many years ago. So kind of a random topic that I brought up there, but I think it's important for many of you to kind of stop and think a little bit, take a pause and try to identify why you're in this, why you do it, or or is it just because like me, it's a nostalgia effect. And if I have a little, if I make a little money along the way, great. If I don't, then it is what it is. Some of you have been in my breaks before. Um, I generally am the lowest price breaker on many of the items. Uh, for me, it really is about expanding the hobby. If I can expand the hobby, grow the audience, and break even at the very least in terms of supplies, the shipping, supplies the time spent then i'm okay with that uh, and if i make a little bit of money great for example tonight we're having a two box sapphire break random teams are doing a duck race i'm giving barcelona away a uh, 75 dollars team basically is going to be given away how that works just so you guys know we will have duck races and what occurs during the duck races we're gonna we have 19 spots right so there's 19 ducks in a race then we'll do kind of a draft. So the order your ducks come in, you'll pick the team you want. Then after that's done, we're gonna go into a duck race for Barcelona. So whoever wins the duck race gets Barcelona for free. So the more ducks you have in a race and more teams you've purchased in the break, the more chances you have at Barcelona. So really for me, it's all about having a little fun, ripping product, uh, obviously trying to give people big hits. We did hit a one of five the other day out of Sapphire, which was a lot of fun. But uh, for me, it's really, you know, if I can cover my costs, the supply costs, the top loader costs, the penny sleeve costs, and maybe a little time and have a little few extra bucks to kind of put back into the hobby or buy more product to offer you the opportunity to buy at a lower price, I'm all for it. So, again, if you guys have any comments or if you have any thoughts on any product that you want to see ripped, let me know. Uh, I can try to get it and try to get it at an attractive price for people to jump in. It is difficult. Uh, I do uh, try to get the money um, up front when you reserve a spot for the majority of the time. Uh, I usually reserve the spot for people and then I ask for money like a day or two later or whatever. But uh, try to be, you know, I give anybody the benefit of the doubt to start. And then, you know, luckily for me, I've never had anybody really uh, not pay or take care of their break. So, if you want to come into a break or if you have any ideas on what I should be getting uh, for you to break or for us to break as a community, let me know. I'm open to all suggestions and trying uh, and taking the risk and doing that for you guys. That's important. All right. And my next little thing I want to talk about, and again, you know, I'm, I apologize. This this uh, format is a little different today. Uh, we didn't have a guest uh, next week. I promise I'll have a guest. 
but I also wanted to do a little different format, kind of a, a step back and what's going on. So Golden, right? Let me talk about Golden. I put actually, I submitted a Jude Bellingham of 25 Aoki. Many of you guys have seen the card, PSA 10. The auto's a nine. Uh, the card sold for 1200 with buyer's premium. Uh, fantastic. I'm happy with the sale. I wanted a thousand at least for the card, so I got that. Golden, it's been a pretty decent experience. Um, and I mean, by decent, I'm saying very average, I think. Nothing really fantastic. Uh, the When I submitted the card, I filled out all the paperwork, obviously got that done with one of their consignment reps. Submitted the card, uh, sent the card in, um, followed tracking to make sure the card got there. The card did get there. Didn't get an email until a few days later. I didn't get an email stating uh, which auction it would be in. I was told by the rep, but there was no specific email that was in. So there's a communication kind of lapse there. And I know um, Saw Card United talked about kind of the communication aspect is an issue, and it certainly is in terms of how they're doing things. So my experience, we'll see what happens here. I'm still being shorted some money, so I'm still trying to figure out that situation. So I don't want to speak terribly on that yet until it kind of, comes to fruition it could be just a clerical error on their end so i want to give them the benefit of the doubt but my suggestion for golden is the communication aspect has got to be better once the card arrives an email needs to be sent not me chasing around usps going to find my tracking from the package i sent in and see where the card is i really think golden needs to kind of do that and then also really send the email and talk about here's when we're expected to auction the card start date end date that type of thing so i didn't get those emails um, again it could be a clerical error where my email wasn't correct or vice versa i may have entered it incorrectly but just letting you know in terms of the selling aspects the card sold for 1200 they take the buyer's premiums which is 200 they added 200 it's probably 20 percent on a card and i think it depends on the amount that you're looking at right so they take 20 percent. so it's higher than ebay right so that's kind of a drawback but I don't think my card would have sold for that price on eBay. I've tested it before and it didn't hit that number. So I, you know, I'm kind of happy with that result that I get that money. Um, I think I had posted on eBay once and then the buyer ended up canceling the, the buy. And I think it had sold for like $836 or whatever. So if you do the math there, uh, eBay would have been significantly lower. But um, again, I think Golden is on onto something. It just depends on you know, improving their communication. And I don't suggest you send cards there unless they're big cards. Uh, even this Bellingham was kind of borderline. You know, I eked a little extra money out of it, but uh, at the end of the day, eBay, you have a little more control of what you're doing with your card and how you sell it. Um, when you start the auction, when you end it, payment, shipping, it, you're, it's your responsibility, right? So that's kind of my little uh, thing on Golden in terms of and again guys i you know if you guys have ex different experiences if you've had bad experiences good experiences let me know shoot me a dm we can talk about it on the pod um and next week with the guest we'll obviously do something pretty unique all right so i wanted to talk a little bit about um got some feedback uh from some people on ideas and questions and asking for thoughts um one of the really good questions i got um trying to find it here regarding my pod was the how do we measure i'm trying to remember what was said um, but let me just check here really quick see if i can find it how do we measure 
if I can measure what a, a successful prospect is or how how I measure a success to a prospect. So for me, it's really all about data, right? If you look at the data and you look at the numbers, what's been their effect in terms of goal scoring, assists, team effect, um, national team effect, how they play in international tournaments, things of that nature. So it's hard to really answer that question because for the reason that sometimes it's too early to discuss that. And I think it becomes kind of a mid-season review or end-of-season review or both, right? I think that's what I'm going to do. I think what I'll do in the first episode, we covered quite a bit of prospects. So I think about January, I'll do a little mid-season review on those prospects and see where they're at and how we've done. So that'll be really cool to do. Um, the other aspect of that is if we're if we have plays for a long uh, long term, you know, like I always say, it's always long term, low risk, right? Um, with high ceilings, so that's important to me. That's what I do, and um, it's just financially, I think it's a smarter move for somebody like me, especially with uh, I actually have a a child on the way. I know some of you probably found out and congratulated me, but I have a child on the way, newly married. So for me, I need to be uh, more conservative in terms of my spending, right? And that's why sometimes I talk about opportunities. Like last week, we talked about Jean Felix opportunity and that and that type of thing. So um, one of the things you have to ask yourself, where am I in that bracket? Am I high risk, high reward, or am I low risk, high reward? So, I mean, everybody wants to be in the low risk, high reward ceiling, right? We all want to get there. But the fact of the matter is not every player is going to hit. So just how it is. So that's important to, to figure out. I want to give a quick, quick little, not soccer related, but um, I had, uh, I follow uh, Daniel Ricardo Cards on Instagram. That's at Daniel Ricardo Cards. Give him a follow. He kind of covers some of the other sports, not covers some soccer, obviously, as well. Not as much as uh, he did in the past, but he covers a lot of the motorsports, tennis, things of that nature. He brought up some really great, uh, excellent points that I wanted to talk a little bit about. Nepro uh, released the Carlos Alcaraz uh, set uh, recently, or singles that you could buy. There was like a relic. There was an auto relic. There was an auto on card. There was some cards that were uh, no autos, but they were just like, you know, up to 2000, there was some that were up number to 500. I actually ended up buying one. I spent $100 on one card, uh, not an auto. I was expecting, I was really looking forward to that release for a few reasons. Carlos Alcaraz is kind of the future of tennis. For many folks, that's their opinion. Um, and Daniel Ricardo does a really good job of kind of breaking down that release. So I think you guys should take a look at that, give him a follow and take a read of that. But my perspective on that was, and this is kind of, I could potentially see some soccer manufacturers kind of moving this way as well on certain things. The unique part about the jersey on card uh, auto as well um, was the jersey was actually from the French Open that he wore. So the manufacturer, Nepro, did something really smart in terms of including that as part of the card uh, or writing, putting that writing on the card and stating that. So hopefully, uh, I know with Merlin coming up, and I've talked about this a little bit, uh, hopefully some of the uh, manufacturers for soccer are, are hearing this and they understand that that i think for the majority of us we kind of want that you know we want to know the date of a certain uh relic that we get um in a card i mean think about that for a second if you get an of 50 messy auto patch right 
and there's a date on the card where he didn't even play the game. What's the significance of that jersey? There isn't one, right? So let's say that's number 24, right? You get a card 24 of 50, no date, um, didn't play in that game, didn't do well, was hurt, whatever the case may be. Let's say card 16 is from the uh, French League Cup final, and he scored two goals. That's significant, right? So I think there's there's a opportunity there for manufacturers to really kind of start to, I want to call it narrowing kind of the numbered card parallels and trying to eliminate 35 different parallels from a set. I think this is probably the new wave that what they should do essentially is try to date and number things correctly so that people have something to look forward to or chase something other than just a numbered card. You want a specific number card based on the game or uh, the event where it happened on the card. So that's just a quick thought. Um, Daniel Carter just brought up those good points. Uh, really expensive that release was. Uh, I mean, you're talking, and if I remember correctly, it was like 2400 bucks for a Relic auto patch, whatever it was. It was so much money. Not what I expected. I was hoping for the six to $800 range. Didn't hit that. So... But just a quick plug there for Daniel Ricardo cards on Instagram. Give him a follow. He does a really good job uh, in terms of evaluating some of the other sports, some of the opportunities you might have available. Now, I want to talk about, we're going to do two prospects today uh, for you guys to kind of keep your eye on. Uh, one of them is from Villarreal. Uh, the Villarreal Academy, as you know, is a strong academy. Uh, and it's one that doesn't get a lot of a lot of credit for developing excellent players i think they're kind of in terms of the academy they're underrated as compared to other other teams in la liga and even other teams in the world in terms of the development of those players today i'm looking at um a player that is uh, he's 21 years old he is a he's developing uh, into a better player spent some time at girona last year on loan had five goals and three assists and 38 appearances Alex Bayana of Villarreal. He's already got two goals and two appearances this year. He uh, plays right behind the forward line normally, but he can play in that line as well up top. So pretty offensive player. He's an excellent dribbler and a finisher. Um, doesn't have tremendous pace like some of the other guys that we're used to talking about. And he's not a very physical player. So interesting opportunity. His rookie from my research, I did find a rookie. His It's in 2021, 20, 22 mega cracks, number 380. Unfortunately for Villarreal, they will not be playing in the Champions League or the Europa League this year. I believe um, they are playing in the Europa Conference. I, I'm pretty sure actually this year. So which they potentially are a favor for. So keep your eyes on him. Uh, another guy that um, so just take a look at him. You know, I'm not saying go and buy him. I don't know any of them, any of them, but he started again. A lot of these guys, this is early on in the season. So, you know, he'd caution. Another guy that we've kind of lost, I've lost a little touch with this guy in terms of watching him and where he's going and what he's doing. Brazilian player. Um, he's been called up to to the Brazilian senior squad a few times. He played a lot for Brazil at the youth level uh, on the international um, squad. He um, He's an excellent player. Uh, his name is Mateus Cardoso Lemos Martins, otherwise known as, if you can guess, Tete. So Tete. 
if you remember Tete, he was at Shakhtar Donetsk uh, from, I believe, from 2019 until uh, up in last year when the whole war broke out in Ukraine, Russia. Um, he, at Shakhtar Donetsk, and these are numbers not to kind of belittle numbers because they're impressive numbers, 25 goals in 75 games with Shakhtar Donetsk. He's 22 years old. He's an attacking midfielder, talented player. Um, thus far at Leon, he's over at Leon now. He has three goals and assists in two games uh, that he's and he started both, uh, on both games. So, unfortunately for Leon this year, and this may not give him the exposure that we need for the hobby. They are not playing in any um, European competitions, which gives them a chance to really focus on the league. They have a talented team there, um, but I would start, you know, pulling some of his cards for kind of a long term, you know, watch. If Leon probably is going to be concentrating on the French league this year, look for Tete to have a good year. And he started it really, really started off really well, and they're a talented team there. Um, although I believe at this point they've sold Lucas Paqueta, which is another big piece of their of their team. They have Cherokee there still too, Ryan Cherokee. So um, I'm watching Tete. He's got some cards. I think he's got cards in 1920 Chrome Sapphire, and he's got cards in 2021 as well. And I believe they put rookie card logos on both, which is kind of weird, or they may not have. So keep that in mind when you're looking at his stuff, where if you're looking for kind of a long-term guy, take a look at him. He's obviously playing in a, a bigger league now, uh, going from Ukraine to France. And we know that Shakhtar Donetsk is a uh, factory of Brazilian players, and they move on eventually. So I'm really going to watch him this year. I know he doesn't have European uh, football for Leon, but I still think he's probably a really good buy right now if you're holding long term. You know, if he has a double-digit goal season this year um, and probably maybe, let's say, seven assists, like 15, 18-goal season, eight assists or whatever like that, you're going to be talking about him transferring as well because he's still young enough to do that. He's 22, um, and we love attacking midfielders, obviously. So take a look at him. Um, I think he's a phenomenal player. I've gotten to watch him a few times, luckily. Both at Czechtar Donetsk, and I've watched him a lot this year. Thus far, I've watched a few of the Leon games as well. So... He's been uh, fantastic. Not a revelation. I always thought he was going to be a decent player. It was just a matter of time. Like, is he going to get the exposure that he needs? So that is it uh, for today, guys. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, again, uh, try to spread the word. Follow me on the gram. Follow me here. Give me a review on Anchor. Give me a review on Apple Podcasts. Those all help. Um, spread the word. Let people know that this podcast is... Uh, trying to give a little more transparency to the hobby. I know this episode was probably not as good as the others in terms of what we're talking about in terms of content, but I think it's important for some of us to take a step back and try to think about why we're doing what we do, right? So uh, consider that. Hit me up on IG too if you're interested in that break for uh, later tonight. Uh, I do still have some spots. They're 40 bucks, pretty cheap. Option again, two box break of Sapphire. And uh, I hope everyone has a great weekend. Watch a lot of games. Um, there are some uh, interesting, before I leave, actually, I want to kind of cover a few things. There are some interesting things going on. So we got Paqueta going up West Ham. West Ham is making some really interesting moves in the transfer market. United is trying to make a play for Victor Osamayn. There's been rumors that, <clears throat> excuse me, there's been rumors that United is trying to move Ronaldo. 
on a season long uh, or season long loan term to Napoli in kind of an exchange deal with Napoli for Victor Osamine. Now, Victor Osamine apparently will not go to United. Um, crazy to think that United is still not attracting the top players. Uh, Anthony seems like he wants to go to United. He sat out of practices and things of that nature. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, important to see. Bernardo Silva is another one. Apparently, PSG has jumped into the fray, and they want Bernardo Silva as well. And apparently, they've offered $70 million this morning to uh, City, and I believe City has uh, declined that offer. So, And then the last one, Rafael Leão. Chelsea is potentially tabling a $120 million move for him. I personally would rather see him stay at uh, AC Milan just for the pure fact that I think he can be kind of that franchise player there in terms of what they're developing that project there. It's a really cool project at AC Milan, trying to bring them back to the glory days of the 90s and the early 2000s. So I perfectly would would rather him stay there. Um, but Chelsea uh, would bring him more eyes, uh, would probably help his value in the hobby as well, as I still think he presents an opportunity for people to understand how good of a player is. And I don't think a lot of people understand how good he is in his uh, ceiling. So anyways, guys, any feedback, please let me know. We will have a guest next, next week. I'm going to try to go. I know some of you have kind of requested to try to be on. So I will uh, go through that. And hopefully I'll be in touch with somebody on Monday or Tuesday to do a quick recording, or maybe we'll just have them on the show completely uh, and we can kind of banter uh, and have that kind of fun. But um, going to start developing some Instagram posts to chart some different things uh, in terms of opportunities for you guys and the pop reports. If you guys haven't seen my Instagram lately, I did put up a, a way to how to look at how to look up pop reports. So take a look at that. I'm going to do kind of some videos in that manner uh, to try to give you guys more transparency in how we do things and how I look at things. Uh, and the way I move forward. All right. So again, guys, I appreciate you. Any questions, shoot me on Instagram, shoot me a DM at special one cards, follow me on whatnot at special one cards. And again, I really, again, I'm grateful for all of you and the feedback I get uh, and the questions you guys kind of give me or generally just the feedback you guys give me. You guys are great. You guys make my day sometimes. We know this hobby can have its moments where we can get frustrated. Just remember what it's all about, guys. I know the first kind of segment of the podcast that I really talked about fun. Remember, just go back to your roots and understand how to have fun. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good weekend.